a feeding trough. Lord, that you were raised from the dead in glory. And you paid the price for our sins. You gave us a new life. You gave us eternal life. So, Father, today, Lord, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it. Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you for doing what you did. Lord, you loved mankind. You loved us so much that you gave. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Bless and have a day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to see Mr. Gary and Jessica back here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's pray as we spend some time in the Word. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we want to know what you think about Christmas. Lord, thank you that your view of Christmas is so glorious. Father, thank you that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge. That the eyes of our understanding are open. That we know the hope of your call. And Lord, thank you. For the power that works in us is by your spirit. And thank you, Father, that we have understanding of your word like never before in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we've been talking about what is God's view of Christmas. We started that last week. What is God's view? You ever wonder what God thinks about Christmas? Well, he thinks a lot about Christmas. And I'm not talking about the commercialism behind Christmas. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about if Jesus, was he really born on December 25th? Probably not. Doesn't really matter when he was born, does it? We just celebrate. We celebrate Jesus. This is the time to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2. What is God's view? Well, let's, let's read Luke 2. I'm going to read a chunk of scriptures, and then we're going to look at a couple of things that we started to look at last week. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. You ever think about why God showed up to shepherds first? <coughs> Nobody else but the shepherds. God appeared to the shepherds. They're out in the countryside taking care of sheep. Well, what were sheep used for? For the sacrifices. Shepherds were important to God. Because the animal sacrificial system was set up. And, and I cannot imagine the amount of lambs that were slaughtered all the time. Well, anyways, we won't talk about that. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. You know, what's God's view of Christmas? Well, great joy. Amen. That's one of the things. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. 
You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Isn't this what Linus preached? <laughs> This is exactly what Linus said. Lying in a manger. Oh, he could have went. You know, if it was us, we would have appeared maybe to the leaders and made a big impression. My God, he was born in a manger. Of all the places, why? Because he's lowly in heart. He's humble. Well, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What does God view about Christmas? Joy, peace. Look at what it says. And on earth peace. Is there peace on earth? <laughs> well, it depends how you look at it. Well, there's wars and rumors of war, but the peace that he's talking about is the peace of God that comes into each man's and woman's heart or child's heart when they come to Christ. The peace of God. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Boy, they all <laughs> took off to Bethlehem. Now how many shepherds were out there? We don't know. How many sheep are out here? So they all, the sheep and the shepherds, went to Bethlehem to see Jesus Christ. You know, when, we, when we've gone to India, you'll see, it, when you go to a different land, it's, it's just a different life altogether. But we've been, I don't know if, if you were with me, Marissa, but we've, shepherd and sheep, I mean, and they'll just walk through the street, and you just sit there in your vehicle until they pass. Now, can you imagine that doing that on Bruce B. Down? Uh, and you just sit there a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. And you're, a, if you're in a hurry, you're, uh, and they just kind of, and they're in no hurry to. Uh, Get them so I can imagine taking all those sheep into Bethlehem to go see Jesus. Now this is the picture. And when they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But look at verse 19. But Mary kept them all, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And she saw some, some wild stuff. And she pondered those things in her heart. But I want to talk about a couple of different things here. God's view of Christmas. Well, I just mentioned love and joy, or, or uh, peace and joy. But go to John chapter 3. And we talked about this a little bit last week. John chapter 3, verse 16. How many can quote this? Probably all of us here, or, or most of us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What's Christmas? Man, it's... <laughs> God's view of Christmas. How does God see Christmas? With great love. Why? Because he sent his son Jesus. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. Christmas, you know, it's about giving, yes. But God gave his son the ultimate. You can't give anything more precious, worth more in this universe than Jesus. Well, what did he do? He paid the price for sin. How much would it cost? How many, well, let me say it like this. How many people do you think have been alive from the foundation of time? Billions. No, not trillions, because back then there wasn't a lot, but now, but there's billions of people that have been born on this earth. And God sent Jesus to pay the price for billions of people. Now, if, if you figure that in the natural, the cost of buying and paying for sin, sickness, disease, bondages, how much do people pay to go into a rehab center? How much does a person pay to go to the hospital? Go through cancer treatments, all these things. Well, Jesus was sent to pay for all of that. Are you following me? The price that was given is beyond comprehension. We have to think about that. Well, he paid the price for all these things. That's what Christmas is about. All right, let's keep reading here. That he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. You know, when you and I stop breathing on this earth, we go somewhere else. We go into the presence of God. We have everlasting life. Everlasting life isn't just, well, I'm going to live beyond this earth. Everlasting life is having the presence of God in us. Christ in us. In fact, go to Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1. God, the love of God, and I'm not going to dwell on this because we looked at this in depth last week. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, speaking of Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done, and it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You know what else God's view of Christmas is? What, what is God's perspective? He views Christmas as being with his people. Because without Jesus coming, there would be no personal relationship with the Spirit of God living in us. Are, are you following me? As much as those Old Testament men and women were anointed by God, they did not have the Holy Spirit living in them. Are you following me? He came upon them, there was an anointing, but because of the new birth, He lives in us now. My God. What, what a price. You talk about love, God with us. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, if he was down the street, you weren't with him. You're with him now. Why? Because he lives in us. That's You talk about the love of God. God's view is one of love. He loves you. He loves you, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. He is for you. God before you, who can be against you? 
Well, there might be a lot of people against you. But he's for you. God is for you. Say amen. amen. You know what amen means? So be it. Okay? You need to believe that. Now, go to Isaiah 55. What else does God, God view? God's view entails how, how he does things at just the right time. Amen. God does things at the right time, precise times. Now, in our lives, sometimes we might be out of his timing or miss it at times. Are, are you following me? Mm -hmm. But his timing is impeccable. God's always, that's why when, when we walk with him, and he wants us to walk with him in, in a, a closeness, so that his timing can appear and transform our lives and do what he says he's going to do. Are you following me? Hallelujah. Why? Because God's timing is precise. Isaiah 55, verse 9. I said this last week. From the Garden of Eden, when man fell, to the time that Jesus was born in a manger, about 4,000 years took place. It's a long time. Why didn't, why didn't the Lord send Jesus right after they fell? Why couldn't Adam and Eve's next child be the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he needed a virgin. But, but. You ever think about that? If he would have sent the Messiah right after, wouldn't look at the mess over those 4,000 years. Are you following me? And the mess that's out there now in the natural. Well, because God wanted to bring revelation. There were things God wanted to reveal that over a period of 4,000 years, because of his timing, that's how he wanted it done. And you have to accept that. All right. Are you in Isaiah 55? Yes. Okay, good. Isaiah 55, verse number 9. For as, the, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's ways are higher. So he does things in his timing and in his way that mankind outside of knowing him from the scriptures are clueless. Are you following me? There, mankind's actually absolutely clueless on how God does things outside of the scriptures. God does things differently. Well, why would God destroy Nations, why would God and, and say kill all the children and all that? Because of sin. God does things in a holy and higher way. You have to accept what He does. Are you still here? Yes. Okay, good. Now, go to Galatians 4. Galatians 4, verse 4. And what I love about God is He gave words, prophetic words of things that were going to take place. When you read things, and even in the New Testament, when God says things that will take place, you don't even have to question. It is going to take place as God said it at the, at the right time that God wants it to be done. And let me tell you, there's no devil on earth that's going to stop that. That's why. Uh, all right. I am Galatians 4. 
Verse number four, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says, but when the right time came, but what? When the right time came. When the right time came, at the precise time, at the right time, God sent the son born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. At just the right time. Why didn't, why didn't God come in 2015? Why didn't he come in 456 A.D.? Because it was the right time for him to come. That should be an encouragement to you. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, Papa. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own son. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, out of the Amplified, but when, he, but when the proper time had fully come, God sent the Son at the proper time, at the precise time. Now, go to Isaiah 46. At the precise God's view of Christmas is his impeccable timing. You know, if you've ever watched football, and the quarterback throws the ball. And you think, what in the... There's nobody around there. What in the world did he throw? That's what a... Well, what probably happened was the receiver missed the route. It's all timing. And they practice, practice. And it's a play, and, that, and he's thrown where that receiver should be. Or supposed to be the timing. Well, he's not there, and you think, "What a dumb pass that was!" <laughs> well, because someone messed up the timing. Are, are you following me? Well, when God throws a pass, his timing is just right. Just like a receiver, we have to run the race with him so that when he throws the ball, we're in the right place and we can catch the ball. All right, Isaiah 46. Are you there? Yeah. All right, what verse? You don't know? Verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Well, that's the truth. There is nobody like God. Man, I, when, when you see people go through, like, different religions, and, and I saw about a week or two ago, Hindus doing some just some different things. And and they're they're different than what what we would do. And it's just it's religious things that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go through all those things because Jesus paid the price. And you don't have to go through all these motions and all these things to try to get God to do something. How does God do something in our lives? By faith. 
Faith is important to God. Faith is real important to God. In fact, God says without faith, you can't please Him. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, I'm not saying that we, we don't do things and, and even tradition, but you cannot please God any other way but by faith. All right, back to Isaiah 46. Verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. So God has already de declared the end from the beginning. God is all God knows, God knows the time Jesus is coming back. He knows. Amen. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. God purposed it. He'll do it. That's why you want to be with him and on his side. Amen. You know, when Jesus comes back on a white horse, well, we're going to be on white horses. But we're not going to be in front of him. We're going to be behind him. Because he's going to do some things that's out in front of him. You don't want to be in front of him. You want to be behind him. Why? Because I have purposed it. And I will also do it. God purposed something in your life. He wants to do it. He's laid out every day of your life. That's what the scriptures say. Well, wait a minute. If he laid out every day, why are some of those days really messed up? And you look at some people's lives, they're, they're, they're so messed up that you don't even know what to tell them. You don't even know how to... How, how do you even begin to minister to them because the circumstance and the things are so messed up? Because you have to walk with him. You have to, you have to understand his counsel, his will. Are, are you following me? Yeah. Boy, what a powerful scripture. Let's look at a couple of others here. Go to Isaiah 7. Just give me a few examples of, of when God says something. Isaiah was written several hundred years before Jesus came. Are you following me? There, that's why some, some scholars, I won't call them scholars, will say some of these books and some of the things that were written were written after the fact, after the prophecy came to pass. They'll say it was written after because there's no way they could have written it before, and so they try to fudge it and change it. Well, <laughs> that's, I really believe, one of the things God took so long about is because all the things that he laid out in his word you look back and all the things that came to pass exactly how he said he wants you to know my goodness you can trust him mm -hmm. if, he, if he can do that then you can trust him with your life mm -hmm. Isaiah 7 verse 14 therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign okay look at this behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We just read that out of Matthew chapter 1. The virgin birth. Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ. Well, here it is, prophesied hundreds of years before. Now, see, the virgin birth is real. This is real. This, this God did because his timing is impeccable. And if he said there's going to be a virgin birth, let me tell you, you're not going to stop it. 
You're not going to stop me. Just like, remember a guy named Abraham? Who gave away his wife a couple of times? When he gave away his wife, his wife was what, 75 at the time? And because she was so beautiful that the king wanted her in his harem. And so, when that happened, there was a plague, a sickness came upon, upon them. And finally God spoke to him in a dream and said, you're a dead man. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute, I'm a dead man. Because you have someone's wife, and I'm going to kill you. You try to touch her, you're going to, you're going to, you're dead. And so he went back to Abram. He went back to him and said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you lied to him. And not only did he let him go, he gave him a bunch of things on top of it. Blessed him. But see, well, why would God do that? This man lied and God protected him. Well, God had a covenant with him. But because the seed, remember, the seed came through Abraham and through his wife. And, and, and if you ever studied the genealogy, the seed that God watched over that seed so that it would be impeccable and you can, you can trace it. Are you following me? So she's not going to get polluted by some other man. I mean, that, that's the thing God. What's that got to do with Christmas? Well, because just at the right time, he came. All right. We'll get a couple more things. Go to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9 is full of things. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Wait a minute, Jesus. See, that's why people have a hard time accepting Jesus Christ as God. Well, here's a prophecy. What will his name be called? Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Christmas is a time of peace and joy. Why? He's the Prince of Peace. He sent the Prince of Peace to bring peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice or judgment and justice. Every time I read about justice, and I see the word justice, I think you're broke. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Now go to Micah. Go where? Micah. Micah. Micah chapter 5. Verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, a prop, uh, uh, I mean, I would say that word, a prop, uh, uh, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. What's this saying? That Jesus, because of God's impeccable timing, would be born in Bethlehem. Now, the king made a decree, and so they all had to go back to pay taxes and do those things. Well, he ends up 
going back to Bethlehem, and that's where he's born. I mean, because the timing that God established is so perfect that God had set it up that they had to go to Bethlehem. And because they could find no place, they, they stopped at an inn. Well, they couldn't find a place there. They were born in a manger. But it was in Bethlehem. Are, are, you, are you following me? All right. God's timing. It's just... Go to Luke, or excuse me, go to John 15. God's good. Amen. You continue to believe what he said about you. God's view of Christmas, this is what we talked about when we read in Luke 8, or, or excuse me, Luke 2, we start in verse 8. God's view of Christmas is one of joy. It's one of peace. Without joy and peace, we're a mess. If you have no peace in your life, you're a mess. If you have no joy, then there's always sadness and depression. God wants you to have joy. Well, why? Because the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. And in his presence is fullness of joy. Didn't he say his name will be Manuel, God with us? You know, if God's not with you, you're not going to have any joy and peace. You might be happy here and happy there, and, 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 and but that's up and down. Joy should be ever in our lives. Amen. Why? Because of the fruit of the Spirit. All right. Are you in John 15? You know what? On your way there, go back to Luke chapter 2. Let, let's look at that, those verses again. Luke chapter 2. Verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. How many times does God say, Don't be afraid? How many times in the scriptures does he say that to whoever? You see in Joshua 1, he tells that to Joshua three times in a few verses. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. Well, he's telling the angel, or he's telling the shepherds, don't be afraid. Well, they just saw heaven open up and hearing sound and seeing angels. Well, that would probably scare you. He said, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That joy God established to all people. Amen. Not just one person. Not just to Israel. He came first to Israel. Yes, we understand that because that's the fulfillment. But he came for all people, for every tongue, every tribe, every nation. All people. He brought joy to all people. Now, go to verse 14. And here's what the angels were saying. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. That's why... When I look at Christmas, it's a time of joy and peace. Because he said so. Amen. I didn't make this up. God sent the angelic host to proclaim that. 
Alright. Where did I say to go then? John 15. Alright, go to John 15. Let's look at a few other verses. If I can get in my computer. Okay. John 15. Verse 7. In fact, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read out of the New Living. It says, But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. When we bear fruit, it brings glory to the Father. Fruit. When, when people see things in your life, blessing, when they see the fruit of the Spirit and the character of God, what does it do? It brings glory to God. It gives Him praise. That's what, when, when, and people will push you at times to not have the fruit of the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? You know, the fruit of the devil. <laughs> People will put, and boy, hell just. Yeah. All right. Verse number nine. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Look at, well, there's love. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will what? Overflow. I like what the new look. Your joy will what? Overflow. God wants your joy to overflow. Your joy won't overflow if you're weighed down and, and bound up and looking at circumstances all the time. That joy will not overflow. Are you following me? Yes. Well, God wants your joy to overflow. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. God tells you that. He told his disciples these things. He's getting ready to go to the cross. Well, what happened as, he, as Judas denied him? And gave him up and showed the Roman officials this is he. The disciples scattered. See, God tells you things so that when things happen, that you can remain in his joy and that joy will overflow. I'm not saying that's easy to do when circumstances and things are coming your way, but. That's why God gives you those things ahead of time so that you can remain in that. Are, are you following me? Well, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I don't know if we'll get there to, today. But in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Overflow with joy. Go to Romans 14. The next few verses, uh, you'll, you'll see that joy and peace are mentioned together. 
because they go hand in hand. If you really have the peace of God, you're going to have joy. Amen. If you have the joy of the Lord, you're going to be at peace. Amen. They work hand in hand. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. How many like to eat? How many like to drink? Now, I'm not talking about booze. You know, you're like, chocolate milk. <laughs> For the, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, the kingdom is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy. Peace and joy. That's the kingdom of God is peace and joy and righteousness. What in the world is righteousness? You've been made right with God. Glory to God. You are the righteousness of God. So God's kingdom is righteousness. When an enemy brings an accusation against you, you need to go right back at him and tell him, wait a minute, God has made me righteous. Amen. And the reason he can make an accusation, if you, if you do something wrong or if you stay in sin, then he's gonna, he is going to condemn you and he's going to beat you up. But you can remain in his righteousness. Amen. You put it aside. You just let go of it. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in him, in the Holy Spirit. Now go to Romans 15. There's one chapter, verse 13. Now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There it is again. Joy and what? Peace. Well, God brought that through the Lord Jesus Christ at the birth. God's view of Christmas, joy and peace. Man, I've come to establish joy and peace in, in the people's hearts. Everywhere. You read it again. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. But there's a key here. In believing. In what? Believing. In what? Believing. You have to believe it. Joy. Joy and peace happens when you believe it. I'm not making this up. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's two verses, or two, two verses in, in, in two straight chapters that are saying almost the same thing. Now go to Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. The what? Fruit. How many like fruit? Yeah. All right, let me ask, how many do not like fruit? Is there anybody here that just doesn't like fruit? No, I Everybody likes fruit. Amen. Well, so does God. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. Those are the first three that are mentioned. Now, are they mentioned in the order of how important they are? No, not necessarily. But the first three. Love, joy, peace. <coughs> now, there's others here that I didn't read. I can read them. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. 
self-control. When people want to say something to you or do something to you, God says, you know what, you have to walk in self-control. Against us, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with those passions of them. Joy and peace. Go to John 14. This might be the last one, the last verse I'm going to share. John 14. Joy and peace. Christmas is a time of joy and peace. Many people are depressed. Mm -hmm. They're hopeless. <clears throat> They're lonely. What I love about God, God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you. Now, we've been made to fellowship with others, but without, without the presence of God, you can be around all kinds of people and still be lonely John 14. Well, I'm going to start with verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Well, why is he saying that? Because if you read John 14, 15, 16, 17, th this is the last thing he spoke. Because you go to chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, I, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kindron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. So from after he spoke all these things, they went to the garden, and what happened? That's where he sweat great drops of blood, and that is where he was betrayed. Are you following? So this is the last. This is the last teaching he gives. All right, back to chapter fourteen. He says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid." Just saying, my peace, I'm leaving with you. Why? Because there's, there's coming, and it came very quick. Unsettledness, no peace. Why? Because they saw what happened to Jesus, and they ran. They didn't understand that Jesus had told them, man, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. I'm, they're going to kill me. So when they saw that happen, they ran from fear. They didn't understand it. But he said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. Now let me read it out of the New Living Translation. I'm leaving you with a gift. See, I, I like how the New Living works it. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Peace of mind and heart is a gift from God. That he wants all his people to enjoy. Peace. Peace of heart and mind. 
And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. They can't give it. The world can't receive it. They don't have a gift to give, and they don't have the ability to receive it either. Are you following me? When someone gives you a gift, you have the ability to receive it. You don't have to receive it. You say, I don't want it. Thanks, but no thanks. You can say that. No, but you receive it. Someone gives you a gift, usually you're going to receive it. Amen. Well, see, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. <clears throat> Peace of mind and heart. Believers don't have to receive it. When he appeared to the shepherds, talking about the peace and the joy. Everybody didn't receive that. Everybody doesn't receive the, the salvation of the Lord. It's available to every person. Everything God has is available to every person. It's a, the, the availability is there. Are you following? There, well, but some things are, there's no availability. There's you know, all these goods and services. Uh, you, if you pay enough, you can get anything you want. Right? You can get, it don't matter. If, if they're saying there's a short, well, but if you pay enough, you can get anything you want. It'll get, it'll find, find its way to you. Well, if, if, if we will receive what the Lord has, it's available to us. Amen. God doesn't have a shortage. Amen. There's no electric shortage. There's no shortage where God's from. There's no shortage. The shortage is in our mind. <clears throat> in, in how we live and in, in our mindset and how we operate. Are, are you following me? But there's no shortage. God doesn't have any shortage. When he said, there's peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. What? There's peace that God has for you. There's joy that he has for you. Well, we just saw it's a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of heart and mind. I'm leaving you with a gift. I'm leaving it with you. Well, I'm going to finish with it. Peace and joy come through what? Or who? The Holy Spirit. We just read that in Romans 14, 15. See, one of the... God loved... Christmas is a time of love because God looked down and said, you know what, I want to have a relationship with man again. I want to walk with them in the cool of the day. I want to be with them. But the only way that's ever going to happen is for my son to come. He'll be filled with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, as, as the man, Christ Jesus. And he's going to go pay the price. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him into the world as a man. Why didn't he come as a woman? You ever think about that? Maybe you never thought about it. Why didn't Jesus come, you know, call him Je 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 you know, Jesus? Jesus said. Jesus. Why, why, did, why, did he, why did he not come as a woman? I'm serious. Because the seed of sin has passed through the man. Are you hearing me? 
who did, God created Adam first, then Eve. When man sinned, when Eve, when Eve sinned, or when she believed the lie, their eyes weren't open until Adam parts up. Then their eyes were open. He had to come as a man because the, to stop that spread of sin, he had to be born of a virgin. Prophesied in Genesis 3, right at the beginning. So, God is for you. He loves you. He's for you. If God before you, who can be against you? Let Christmas, and there's only, man, it, the time, it comes, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. There's acceptance. God with us. God in us. Amen. You can be with someone. God says, I'm going to do it a little one step even deeper. I'm going to be in you. Amen. He's inside. Amen. How, how, how is that possible? I don't know. But when you were born again, he's in. He came in. He made his home there. He chose to do that. That's why the blood cleanses. The blood doesn't pollute, it cleanses. So when the blood's there, there's a cleansing. You're clean. Jesus said you've already been clean from the word I've spoken to you. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There's no cleansing. But with the blood, there's a cleansing. What a plan. What? And just at the right time. Just at the right time, he's coming again. Praise God. He's with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. Lord, thank you. Christ in us. The hope, the expectation of glory. Lord, the first thing the angel said, glory to God in the house. That glory has been distributed to us. Lord, thank you for helping my brothers and my sisters. Lord, may they see things like you see. May we see it like you see it. May we walk it like you want us to walk. Lord, may your timing be in our lives exactly how you've set it out to be. So that we would be at the right place at the right time. Lord, you're leading us, you're guiding us in the altar. So, Father, we rejoice this morning. We praise you and we give you the thanks. Lord, thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you that you're watching over your word to perform it in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive our tithe and offering. Praise God.